Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. Each week with my co-host and Missouri Wind and Solar's general manager, David McDerris, we discuss the latest on self-reliant energy. Check out our additional educational information, including dates for our hands-on workshops conducted in Seymour, on our website, windandsolar.com. Thank you for listening to our podcast, and if you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing. Okay, welcome to our podcast today. Thanks for tuning in. I've got David here with me, and we are on a cold February, cold February afternoon. Yeah. Ready to do some podcasting. Yeah. So, Wes, long overdue, I figure, but you're now in your new home, now in the new big off-grid home. So yes. How, tell me a little bit about that. How did everything come to pass, and how's it going? Well, after, I mean, was it right out of year? Long time. I think it was right <laughs> A long time. Because I was trying to remember, it seemed like it was... We started March. March yeah, we started March rain. last year. Yeah. It was rain that was killing yeah. us last year. So we pushed right against the envelope there. So yeah, Crystal and I have officially moved into the off-grid house and it's really been great. We've really enjoyed it. I think to start off, a couple of things. One, we have a incredible staff and resource here at Missouri Wind that is I think they've both enjoyed being able to be a part of the project yeah, and yeah. really have a lot of, it's not every day that you get a super hands-on project like that. Yeah. And as everyone knows, who's listened to the podcast for more than a week, I have you know, zero capability. <laughs> so the team has really had a lot of <laughs> ability to work on it. So it's not zero capability, <laughs> yet, but, but it has been nice and it has been getting to put hands on and getting to see firsthand some of the benefits and some of the challenges. Yeah, there's right? there's been both. So as of today, it really is great. And even after we just had this very significant snow event. Yeah. And what's weird, and I say that, what do we have? We have four to six inches of snow. This last one we had actually between, depending on where you were at, but around the Seymour area was a little over eight inches. Wasn't that much? Yeah. Okay, because it sure of, screwed things up. There was a up. lot of drifting and a lot, you know, some places yeah, had two, was... two inches and some places had 20 inches. Of course, our front door had 24. So. <laughs> could burrow your way in. But yeah, so that was quite an event and we didn't miss a beat. I mean, it was, now I got the truck stuck out there. <laughs> a whole different story. That didn't have anything to do with my off-grid situation that had to do with poor judgment on the, on the county road. <laughs> But yeah, so we've had a really great time. I would tell you that if anybody was to come and, you know, spend a day or a week at the house, you would be hard pressed to know that you were off grid. Right. I mean, it's just very, the team did a great job putting together the plan for the house. We executed extremely well. We did have a lot of things and we're going to talk about these over the next three episodes and we'll go through some of those. But yeah, we did a great thing. And I guess probably the first thing we would start to talk about is we did make some specific choices in how we wanted to build the house. I mean, first off, it is earth berm, which is a great benefit as far as your climate control built on that. So that's a great benefit there. And then we have a incredibly high efficient heating and air conditioning system in there. 
And I mean, that thing, I think I was telling Sam the other day, I think when that thing runs, I was looking at it, and it was like pulling like 300 watts or something. It was right, yeah, some, super, super Some efficient. incredibly low wattage. But we did gas water heater and a gas stove. Right. And those were really more a choice of how we wanted. I'm a fan of cooking on a gas stove, and we wanted on-demand hot water. So everything else, including like our, our washer, dryer for clothes, it's electric. So we have a lot of power there. So we really designed the place to be incredibly efficient, but also be able to handle the load. What do we have out in panels? We have 36. 36 uh, uh, mission. 420 watt. Yeah. I think they're missions. Yeah, they're mission. 420 watt, and they're on trackers. There's 12. They're on 12 panel trackers right. or three individual trackers. So, yeah. So we have a lot of electricity on the racks and with the trackers, it makes it this that much and greater then, potential. And then we have five supposed, so we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, of 48 volt, 410 or 420 amp hour batteries. I don't know how much I believe that. But we'll talk about that in a couple that of weeks. That has been a discussion. <laughs> so we'll delve into that a little bit more later. So, it's, again, it's a very nice configuration, and yeah. it really has provided us well. So what we wanted to start off and kind of work our way through the installation and just talk about some of the issues that we had and throw out some ideas for you if you're looking at doing this, what to look out for. And I think the first thing we decided to talk about were the trackers. Yeah, yeah, that was the and, first part of the install. And putting those in. And those freaking things were... <laughs> They're big. <laughs> they are monstrous. And so we put three of those in. You start off with, what's the concrete pad on this thing? Uh, five by five by five. So they're a five foot by five foot square and five foot in depth. So they are a big, big chunk of concrete. Yeah. Very big with a rebar cage that's built into that concrete, into that concrete itself. So that's what actually supports the trackers, gives them the weight that they need so they don't, when you look at them, when they're up in the vertical position and horizontal, early in the morning, they look like big wind sails. I mean, you know, if the wind happened to be howling, it, I mean, they're going to catch a lot of wind, so they have to have a a huge concrete base to, to offset that. And we've already been through that. We've right. already been through at least, I think, a minimum probably of just under 40-mile-an-hour winds right. with those. And no harm, no foul, didn't even bother them at all. But I think some of the big things we just want to make sure as you look at trackers, one of the first things is you're putting that base in is planning where your right. lines are going to come and go out of there. Right. That's probably a big thing. Is, yeah, is yeah, getting the, yeah, running the lines and making sure the lines are correct because you're going to have to bring the lines up through the concrete as it's being poured, you know. So you're going to have to have that at least have that conduit ran through there to get back. If not, you're going to be laying over five foot of wire on top of concrete or in conduit, on, and that's just a recipe for disaster. So you want to come up through that concrete, that concrete base. So yeah, and then there's some issue with not issue with that, but. I think Whistle explained a little, you know, that can be a very, not troublesome, but it can be very daunting task getting everything pulled through there after that's all put into place. As well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we ran into some issues with how we were planning on doing it. And I mean, frankly, we had to come in and dig some stuff back up and do it again. And it was not fun. So you really need to be particular 
and no, I think our challenge was that we were doing three. Right. You yeah, know, I if, think one would have if, been no if issue. If we were doing one, it wouldn't have been a problem. And what's unique, and I think you see this in probably all the trackers that are out there. I mean, we carry a specific tracker, but you correct me if I'm wrong for what you saw out there, which it seems kind of counterintuitive, but I think most of the trackers have a unit that's running on them out there at the tracker that has some kind of AC to it. Yes. And so, you know, you'd be like, well, you got DC right there. (laughs) You know, Right. Well, there's actually, if you look into that a little further, it makes sense and you understand why. But again, you need to make sure you're planning that out very well and understanding that, you know, you may have AC coming over from, you know, your house, your building, wherever, and then you've got, you know, a lot of DC going out to the actuators on the motors. And so there may be a lot going on there. So you need to just really be certain that you've got the wires playing and trying to, you know, if you think you can just easily go out and fish. No. <laughs> you know. We couldn't pull that with a truck, literally. Yeah, it, well, we even tried. Yeah. <laughs> and then it yeah, was with the truck, a, we literally it, tried to pull it. it you know, it, and it, so. It so don't not. don't think that well I don't want to buy too much wire, just use it somewhere else when you get done yeah. because it's just not worth it. Yeah. So run cable that's a big issue. Make sure you've got exactly what Dave said. Make sure you got plenty. Make sure you run it where you need it. You certainly you know you can't connect that underground. You right. can't pull that wire with an MC4 connector through a piece of conduit. I mean that's just not going to work. That sort of thing. So you need to make sure that's all being done. You know, the other thing that you need to look at, particularly if you're using tracker, you need to get okay if you're doing a tracker that you may need to rent, beg, borrow, steal the bucket truck or some type of... Some kind of lift. Some kind of cherry picker or whatever, because we had one out there that we used for a week solid, and it's not so much even about... I really, if I look back at it now wasn't even so much of putting the tracker up as it was getting the solar panels right yeah and then actually installing them and so yeah because i think wes would be the first to, the reason why like on our tracker on the size of it you know it's huge yeah I say, absolutely I mean, it, it's very big and the pole that goes along with it is 10 foot it's 10 foot so you can't access it from the ground you're either going to work off of ladders which is dangerous, you know, when you get up because usually you're going to be working in a very soft site because you've already dug up a bunch of stuff around there. You can't really lean a ladder against it, so you're going to be working off step ladders, and they're going to have to be big step ladders. They're going to have to be 12, 14 foot step ladders, which are very expensive, you know. So, you know, renting that bucket truck or that lift or the chair, I mean, I think that the cost in itself is just, you know, it's offset by the, the what you would actually need. Yeah. And actually, too, we did need, we used a, Nate brought that when we were setting the crossbar up. He oh, yeah. His. Yeah. He brought his skid steer out. He's got an attachment that he can use with it. But, you know, you could have probably done it without the attachment, but it made it a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, it's a hoist that he's made for his, he's in the building construction industry. He uses it for trusses and right. different things. But but you got to realize is that in the case, what we were doing, we were just putting up, these were, those again, they were mission four twenties, but they needed that height to be able to go vertical. Right. And so 
it wasn't like, you know, we decided, hey, let's have a really tall one because, you know, we felt yeah, like having. Yeah. No, it's because that whole unit has to move vertical. And so when it is vertical, I mean, granted, the base pole's 10 feet, but when it's vertical, you can go out there and grab the corner of it. I mean, it's about at shoulder height. Yeah, it's down and you run if you're Man, not you'll bonk careful. Your head on if you're bonk your head <laughs> on if you're not paying attention to what you're doing. So, and then the other thing, you know, again going back to that bucket truck, is what was very important. I would tell you to really pay attention to this. Is the system that we were using uses a Iron Ridge clamping system right and do you know the real name of them all i know is we call them ufo clamps that's, that's their <laughs> is that that's their name? name is ufo clamps yes because it looks actually, like a little yeah looks UFO. Like a little UFO. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so yes but the big thing there is one gotta get the right height make sure you're specifying and you know the height of your solar panel and so your normal solar panels, how how does like a most like of the time two inches or yeah, it's like most one of them are going to be one anywhere from one point three seven to one point four three. That's the normal, but on the four twenties they were a little bit larger. Yeah. We had to go make a ride on that, <laughs> so you need to make sure about that. So verify if you're getting a tracker that you're getting the clamps that match your solar panel size. That's very important. Because yeah. otherwise you're going to have a sad moment. Yes, you need to, that. you know, you need to purchase the panels beforehand. And that's where, unfortunately, Wes got off. It wasn't his fault that he had to go. I mean, there was no fault there to it. Maybe it was my fault. We thought they had a 15-panel design and they wound up having a 12-panel design. So we had to go get larger panels and that was a larger thickness and it all went downhill from there. It, was, it started at the top, and it wasn't good. We got and it. By the time we got, we got to the bottom, it was everybody had a gun out and pointing at each other. But no, we got this fine. But where I was going with this is that once we had those correct clamps, is that those have a specific torque value mm-hmm. that you need a good torque wrench when you're up there. And I don't know. I mean, Sam and I had like one. 10 second moment where I was going to crawl out on those panels. And, <laughs> you know, it was like, you know, they'll hell, they'll hold you, blah, blah, blah. And I think I got like a foot and a knee out there and it was like, there's no way. <laughs> no. No, I would not. <laughs> no, I am not crawling that, out there. Yeah. There's not enough money. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, visions of picking yeah. out my wheelchair if yeah. I pulled up on there. So, anyhow, that was another bucket truck moment where we were hovering up above. Yeah. And kind of coming down from the top and then setting the torque value and all those to make sure. And the thing there is that, again, we had those nearly 40-mile-an-hour winds, yeah. and everything's fine. You know, and Wes made a good point there about hovering above it, you know, with a ladder. If you thought, I'll just do yeah, this off a ladder, you, you can't reach some of the points that need to be be at. And so, I mean, so really it's impossible to actually to put these up with just a ladder. You, you know – you might get some skinny kid or yeah. somebody and throw them up there, but <laughs> but do you want to trust man. them? You want to trust them with the torque wrench that they're going to get that to the right specification? <laughs> I don't, but that's just me. But yeah, so having the proper equipment was a huge deal in this tracker. Yeah, you, know. you need to make sure those are set. And then there's just some other, again, following instructions on your tracker sort of thing, setting it up, making sure that you've got. You know, just proper greasing points, a lot of that stuff. 
I'm trying to think what else. Can you remember what else we came? You know that that was the main deals and making sure you know you had. I mean, yeah, you know they come in. They're not going to be greased when they come in, and that's a very crucial deal that they have to be greased. And so, yeah, there's going to be lots of little tips and tricks. The great thing is, is Sam was a huge part of this installation. And so if you decide to buy a tracker, you know, and you... And you oh, yeah. Sam uh, was up there the whole... You know, talk with us. Sam's done enough now. Wes is in and out of here all the time. He would probably give you tips and pointers, but <laughs> he's in and out all the time. So he's taking care of the financials all the time for us. But if not, you know, Sam's going to have a lot of good pointers and can really help your installation maybe go a lot easier versus just going out and thinking... I'm going to wing it. I'm a handyman. I can wing it. I mean, these are a little more complicated than I can just wing it type of deal. It's an amazing setup. It I is. Mean, it, it, it is. They, they're, they, they're nice. Those days that it was snowing, it was really gross out. And I think just a combination of those Mission 420s are right. incredible panels. Right. And then, you know, we had a, you know, the tracker moving them into optimum position and right. horribly overcast gray you know pre-snowy day we were still making you know several hundred watts and and, you know if you're hunkered down for a few days a couple hundred watts is yeah especially if you build energy efficient like you did yeah Yeah. i I mean mean, it's it's really the deal it's really not a problem and you just are able to go on and enjoy so i don't know what else am i missing about the you know, for the first part of the leg, they're getting those trackers installed, you know, just the trials and tribulations of it. And that, and then seeing what they can do once they are installed and installed properly, the payoff is just, I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a it's a hundred time fold. I mean, it's awesome. You know, it's just, you know, there again, don't just buy one and think, you know, this is going to be a day project for me to put up because it's not, it's not that way. It was never intended to be that way, you know? Yeah. So, but once you get it up. And I'll tell you this. So I don't know. I think you probably saw it. We probably, I don't know if you would know. I don't think there's a bigger one out there, right? I mean, so uh, there's no, not. So no, mine is at the top yeah, end of how yeah. tall that thing would yep. be vertical, yep. right? Yep. So Home Depot, they sell a squeegee. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Will, so, yeah, that's something. Yeah, <laughs> that that's, will, that's something we should, yeah. They're tall. When you, now, what, I, didn't, what I, are they, I don't 16, know that I needed it. 16 foot to the top, 16, oh, 17. After the poles up, probably almost seventeen. I, I it's would, tall. It I is would, extremely would, tall. Yeah, I would even say it's uh, it's pushing the twenty because yeah, I bet that sucker so, when it's yeah. So yeah, so when it's you not all the way to the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So I, you're right. It's probably about seventeen feet when it's you know, seventeen feet. You know, when you get that snow and ice out there on it. You know, it was still fine. It's still fine, especially ice. Ice is not near as big yeah, as ice snow didn't. is going to have a little bit more impact. But you know, a good squeegee. Just make sure you got a. You know, you can get an extendable now, pole. and Now, the thing is, you need to check your solar panel warranty. Yes, yes. Because there's some of them that'll avoid a warranty on. Now, I read through my mission, yeah. and it did not say anything about if you squeegee them. So yeah. just make sure you yeah. check just your warranty. check your warranty and don't spray any kind of chemicals on there without checking your warranty because, you know, this is a, I mean, it's a glass that's over it, but, you know, it's got an aluminum frame around it. But the silicone some gets them underneath there. You know, you're gonna the screw silicone wafers gets between there, and you spray certain chemicals on there. Look, it's going to have a negative reaction to it, and you know it damages the actual panel itself. But again, I forget the name of that thing, but it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it'll, it'll yeah. reach right up there and pull the snow off of it. Then when the bad storm just came through, it had probably a solid quarter inch of ice on it. Yeah, 
didn't even. Yeah. I don't even think it. The clear ice doesn't really even deface it. I mean, it just is the only thing that clear ice does on your panels, no matter if they're on a tracker or if they're on a fixed location or what they're on. The only thing clear ice is going to do is it's going to refract the sunlight different. So instead of being a direct hit into it, it may have the, you know, when it does refraction, it, it may throws send it off it, a little bit, throws it off a little bit, but it's usually going to be hitting the panel on some other portion of the panel. And so really it's going to have, I mean, less than about a 5% impact on the panel production, which is a clear ice sleet's a little bit different, you know, sleet and snow are different. So, cause they're actually covering up, you know, and, and sunlight's not getting through that. So. But sleet doesn't really stick to it. It's really the, only your freezing rain yeah. and your snow, you know. Some snow, like what we just had, is really easy to get off. It was real fine, powdery, oh, yeah, you man, know. You just... And we had a snow here back, I don't know, it's been a couple, maybe in a month ago. And it was pretty wet. It was pretty wet and heavy. And that's a little heavier. That's a little more tricky to get off. But and it's Yeah, the stuff we doable, just had, if you, you got know, the so. top of it and just popped yeah, it a little it bit, just, it'd pretty much take yeah, it all off. It just kind of come off. So Okay. All right. Well, I can't think of anything else really to hit on the trackers. No. But I mean, now that those are up and running, I mean, it's just, it's the, a little bit set it and forget it, but yeah. we still go out there and check on them. But yeah, it's, just <laughs> check on them. Just check them. And the longer Wes is there and the more comfortable he becomes with his off-grid system, that will become more and more to set it and forget it type situation. So Okay. All right, man. I think we're good. So keep tuning in. And we've got, I think, a couple more episodes of kind of talking about this. Look forward to you checking us out on that. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast or just want to say hello, email us at radio at windandsolar.com. As always, check out our store at windandsolar.com and buy some stuff. Your financial support underwrites our educational outreach like the podcast, YouTube channel, and local STEM collaboration. It also keeps Lucy and her doggy chicken treats. Thanks again for listening.